giant robot smashing into other giant robots. This is the Giant Robot Smashing Into Other Giant Robots podcast, where we explore the design, development, and business of great products. I'm your host, Lindsay Christensen. And I'm your other host, Chad Pytel. Today, we're joined by Courtney and Ty Caldwell, the founders of Shearshare. We're excited to have Courtney and Ty joining our new format, where we'll be checking in with them over this startup series. Courtney and Ty, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we're so excited about this series. We think it's super smart and it's going to be beneficial to so many out there. And great great guests, too. (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) And not the first time speaking to you. You're no stranger to the show. No. We're veterans in this thing. Yeah, that's right. We had you on about seven months ago, Mm -hmm. and that's episode 331. For anyone who wants to do their uh, their homework, you know, just pause now, check in there. And, no, just kidding. We'll we'll uh, we'll give you the overview too. Um, so, for folks who haven't listened to the past episode, could you give us the the quick overview of what Shearshare is exactly? Shearshare is the first B two B mobile platform that allows licensed beauty professionals and hair, skin, and nails to rent empty salon and barbershop space by the day. So we're giving licensed uh, salons and barbershops who have empty space the opportunity to rent that space out. And we're also giving the licensed beauty professionals who need to get closer to their clientele, find a place to work, who don't want to go work in someone's home, office, or garage. We're giving them the opportunity to have a, a professional environment to work out of where they were classically trained. Yeah, I mean, Shearshare is, is honestly the easiest way for beauty and barbering professionals to quickly find affordable salon and barbershop space to, to lease near them. Without a contract, there's zero commission, so you keep more of your hard-earned money. And it's honestly our way of giving back to society and helping to keep small businesses open. Absolutely. We tried to pick three startups for the series that were kind of in different stages of maturity. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you describe like what stage Shearshare is at? I'd say we're in a growth stage. We had first bootstrapped Shearshare, you know, years ago um, when we first came up with the idea. And, and honestly, Shearshare was something that we were just trying to solve for ourselves, uh, we being in the beauty and barbering industry for almost 30 years now. And then we went into different startup accelerator and incubator programs, of which we we learned very quickly about those. And then we're able to attain investments from venture capitalists. So now Uh, We know we have product market fit, and we're just trying to grow that trajectory and and reach as many industry professionals as possible, because this is definitely a win-win for all parties. So we're going to be talking about product roadmap and how you've thought about growth and goals and and metrics, but we'd be, uh, I think, a little bit remiss if we didn't ask about what the current environment looks like for you with COVID-19 and how that's affected your business and Mm. how you're dealing with it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's affected us greatly. You know, our business is a very uh, person to person Mm -hmm. industry, whether, whether you're talking about, you know, a stylist, barber, massage therapist, nail tech, you know, it's very personal. And so you do have to do a lot of touching. You do actually get over the client, depending on what you're servicing, whether it be a massage, whether it be a color, whether it be a shave. Mm -hmm. So you, you have direct contact. So uh, COVID-19, the coronavirus has really affected the business, pretty much halted it. Anytime you're in a close connection quarters uh, like our business you have to provide that type of service 
So yes, we've been halted for a minute and we understand why and, and, and rightfully so. But we know that uh, our industry is really, really strict when it comes to sanitation. Right. The social distancing has been one of the things that we will definitely have to rethink and have to monitor and have to pay close attention to when it comes to the number of people that you're, that you're servicing. Uh, I know that that's going to be not only a challenge, but it's going to be something that we're going to have to really educate ourselves and be mindful of. But, you know, yes, it's thoroughly been affected in so many ways and it will be a new normal. But I think that new normal is going to be somewhat a, great, a better thing and a great thing that we're going to be you know, dealing with. The industry is a very sanitary uh, industry, as mm-hmm. we all know, laws and, and bylaws and regulations and rules as well. But I think that, you know, once we show the clients that we have adjusted and, and we can adapt a, a new change and a new normal is going to really be a, a very up leveling of our services. And, and it's really going to give a new looking feel to what we're going to be doing. So I think, I think that we're going to do very well into this new normal when everything gets back to going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess by no surprise, right? Like, uh, we saw our share share hosts um, on either coast start to you know change behaviors, and then it kind of worked inward to Middle America. Uh, but mm-hmm. one thing we are seeing is now that people do have time at homes, and you know we have the stay at home mandates and whatnot, uh, we are attracting more and more share share hosts. So those salons and barbershop owners who do have empty space, they're finding time now to fill out applications to become an authorized share share host, and we're doing our best to onboard them um, quickly so that they're also up and ready to go once this huge shift kind of, you know, boils over. We do too, I guess for us, you know, because we've been in the industry for so long now. I remember back in the 2008 recession when beauty had to hit a reset button. We all had to hit that reset button. We saw how the industry was able to bounce back. So although, you know, this is something that's a little bit unprecedented, we would be remiss to say that, you know, our industry is truly one of those evergreen industries. Like it's not something that's going to go away because of COVID-19. It's going to rebound. And that, that is actually a very exciting thing for us because people who do need space to service their clientele will need a professional salon and barbershop and environment and we will be there for them, ready to go and help them build their business one client at a time. And if I could add two more things to that, there will be a lot of businesses affected, you know, when it comes to yeah. uh, closings and when it comes comes to going out of business, we know that that's going to happen. But one thing that I do know um, for certain is that people are not going to want people to come to their homes. They're going to feel like that they've stayed at home long enough. Mm-hmm. So they're going to want to be yeah. a little bit more appreciative <laughs> to get to the salons, to get yeah. to the barbershops, to get to the spas. So all those services, those businesses that wanted to bring the service to the end consumer, those businesses might suffer simply because being in this incubation period, being in this period where we have to quarantine and we have to be in our mm-hmm. homes, mm-hmm. we're going to be a little bit leery of having someone oh, bring their germs into our homes. We would rather go out and make sure that we're being cautious and they're being cautious about us being a consumer in the business. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that there will be a lot of people wanting to get those services at home anymore when they thought that it was more safe. Uh, so those are things that we're thinking about as well as as a company and how we're going to be able to uh, maximize off of this downtime. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I know I'm like two weeks overdue for a haircut and it's really starting to bother <laughs> me. So 
Yes. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, Chad, that that is the benefit of being married to a licensed barber and cosmetologist. <laughs> oh I don't worry yeah. about that. Like I, my eyebrows are done. My hair is good. I, I, I wish that he that. had paid more attention uh, on the nail section of the course because <laughs> I feel like I could have gotten a little bit better service. But <laughs> I, the great thing about me, I went to a dual college, so I went to a yeah. college that allowed us to learn barbering and cosmetology. Mm-hmm. So I know all aspects of the industry. And I think that it's really done me well for what I've learned. (laughs) I actually heard from a friend the other day that Amazon is completely sold out of like buzzers and and clippers now. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But everyone's trying to do it. Oh, Lindsay. Oh, yeah. But can you imagine, though, like we, we talked to a couple of folks um, who are trying to do just that yeah, at home. You know, all everyone's moving to like do it yourself, you know, makeup, do it yourself, facials, do it yourself, haircuts. And right. and the kids who are all at home because, you know, school is out. They're unfortunately the guinea pigs for the parents who are trying to figure <laughs> out, you know, how can I go ahead and save money, but still make you feel confident while you're running around the house. But that just means that, you know, the beauty professionals are going to be there to help fix those errors once we all hit the reset button. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's only got to look good from the front. Uh, <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> business in the front, party in the back. Party in the is... back. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned like a few really interesting things that I've never really thought about. One was, you know, that this isn't the first recession that the mm-hmm. beauty industry has gone through. Mm-hmm. Were there key learnings from previous recessions that you're kind of prepping for when it comes Mm. to recessions and people holding back from maybe what they normally spend on beauty? Well, economically, I think that, you know, we've always been able to thrive and and rise to the occasion simply because we could adjust to the economical downturns when people were losing jobs. So we were able to give those consumers a discount or maybe, you know, be a little bit uh, easier on on their pockets, but never did we see a pandemic happening that would affect the whole world. I know that when it comes to hair, skin and nails and and the beauty industry as a whole, like you said, there there has been a a sellout on Amazon of of the products. And and there you go. This is a multi-billion dollar industry. So Mm -hmm. even if the salons and the barbershops and the nail salons are not getting any business, people are still buying nail polish. They're still buying clippers. They're still buying combs. So those things are going to consistently be there. But there's a little bit of a learning curve that people may not be a little bit understanding of, and that's the education. So yes, we can give them just a foundational understanding of it, but when it comes to getting that overall look, that overall professional aspect of it, those are the things that's going to be very, very important. And the client, the consumer who doesn't have that learning and that education is not going to be able to reach that level of the results that they are looking for. So they can manage while we're in this this incubation period, but they're going to be like, man, I'm putting these clippers to the side. I'm I'm not going to color my hair anymore. I'm not getting the same effect. So it's going to actually push the industry to a whole nother level of importance. And it's Mm -hmm. going to really help those numbers uh, reach where they were before, if even more so once this is over with. But pandemic-wise, the industry has never been affected. Economically, we've always rose to the occasion. So there's definitely a difference. And I see the difference personally because, you know, not only is it affecting the industry as a whole, but it's affecting every industry that is spinning off of it, whether it be tech, whether it be fintech, whether it be anything that's giving the industry a run for this money or change and how we can do things better uh, for the consumer everyone is affected in every way possible, except for the selling of products and tools. Yeah. And I remember too, Lindsay, back in 
gosh, 07, 08, you know, the majority of the industry was full-time employees, right? So you'd be attracted to want to work out of a salon that had a really great reputation because consumers, clients were coming to that brand's place of business, not necessarily looking for you or seeking you out as an independent professional, but coming because that particular brand had a great name in the community. Well, what we started to see happen after the recession hit was that more and more people chose to become independent contractors. And there are a few things that that also played into that, you know, with the advent of social media and a lot more people spending more time on their mobile devices and whatnot. But I do see that that's probably going to happen here as well. I mean, even today, beauty and barbering is the second largest industry for freelancers. And so I think we'll just mm-hmm. start to see more of that because now people who may be misplaced professionally are saying, well, I have the skill set, you know, let me just go it on my own. And so we're doing our part to make sure that not only salon and barbershop owners who may be feeling a little bit of the brunt as we all come back online, but definitely those who are deciding or in the process of deciding to go it alone, that they have resources at their fingertips to be able to continue to feed their families. Yeah, you're right, actually, because that's when really this this new wave gig economy really started, I think, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. you know Uber picking up steam and, and people being able to support themselves through a lot of these kind of marketplace apps Mm -hmm. to work, you know, when they wanted to, uh, where they wanted to and so on. Yeah. And, And just being able to have the confidence, right. To say, you know what, I do want to be a small business owner. I do want to be a sole proprietor. Let me at least try it. Like what's the worst that could happen? If the worst that could happen is that I go back to the salon I was working for or back to the barbershop that I was working for, so be it. But people are realizing that they too have the gumption to go out there and become, you know, independent brand on their own. And they have all the tools, social media, you know, we're providing spaces to work for them, you know, finance tools, email marketing tools, texting capabilities that we didn't have before that we're starting to see a lot more of now. Another thing you mentioned that I think actually fits in really well with the idea of product roadmap and also how you adjust during times like these is the fact that with folks having downtime, you're actually mm-hmm. seeing some increase in people signing up and setting up their profiles and things like mm-hmm. that. I guess it's not technically product. Actually, Chad, I'm interested mm-hmm. what you would think on this. It's not technically like a product improvement or product roadmap thing. It's kind of like growth, mm-hmm. but just a, as valuable. And especially during a time like na- now to see that opportunity and lean into, okay, how do we get as many people on and set up for success for when this is over? So one, Chad, what do you think? (laughs) Is that (laughs) is that product? And then two, I'd love to learn more about how you're doing that. Yeah, and Courtney and Ty, I would imagine that traditionally, you might be watching that onboarding funnel and say, okay, you know, first step is profile, but then we know that the next thing we want them to do is make their first listing, right? But if no one's doing that now, how do you know that you're setting those customers up for success? No, that's a great question. And it's something that we racked our minds about um, probably two to two and a half weeks ago. Ty and I were chatting and he ended up coming out of the meeting saying, you know what? 
we're not going to start this quote unquote education portal uh, or video library with ways to, you know, get more bookings, right? Because that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. That's very not sensitive to uh, what everybody's experiencing. Instead, we just need to meet people where they are, like what's top of mind for them right now. And, you know, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, there were still some salons and barbershops open that hadn't been hit with the um, stay at home mandate. So he ended up doing videos about how to make your own do it yourself hand sanitizer. Right. You remember that? And that video went viral. And then he started talking about how salons and barbershops can heighten your um, already regulated sanitation uh, rules. Yeah. How you how you clean today. And then I know what people are going to be thinking about, you know, how can I access, you know, some of these SBA loans? You know, how can I get access to the 10K grant and maybe the Paycheck Protection Program? And so we just started thinking about not just how could sheer share win at this, but what is top of mind for people right now where we can help them get over whatever learning hurdle they have and what do they need right now to keep lights on and keep food on the table? What's going to be the most beneficial? And that's where I feel like we've been winning when it comes to content. And naturally that will progress to, oh, okay, I trust this brand called Share Share. And so when it is time for them to need to look for a space to work, you know, we've built that trust, unfortunately, within this pandemic. People want to feel like you you can find a way to comfort them. This has never affected the industry like this. So a lot of people don't know what it looks like. It's almost like, I hate to use this term, a kiss of death, you know, in a lot of ways to where they just can't go to work. And and not only that, some people's only way of, of making money and, and finding some solace in life was going to do their passion every day. Mm-hmm. And so when you take someone out of that and confine them to a home, then they, they're a little bit lost and rightfully so. Because when you find a passion in life, it's not that you're doing it for money. You're doing it for the love of it. And the money is just the bonus and the gravy to it all. And so some people just need motivation. Some people need comfort. Some people need to know, can you give me some words of comfort? Can you give me some words that can motivate me, that can shift me into thinking differently when I get in these depressed moments? And so being able to share those type of things and being able to laugh and being able to say, I'm in it with you and being on the other side of that coin and saying, I'm not just in it with you. I am one of you. I am you. And so, you know, let's just look at this from a glass half full as opposed to looking at it from the negative side. Let's not look at the government telling us what we can't do. Let's look at everybody is in this thing together. Let's look at how it's affected every aspect of business in every arena and everybody now is on the same equal playing field and it's a great equalizer and you don't have to sit back and look at social media and think your friends are over in Hawaii you know enjoying the beach or <laughs> that your friends are, are, are over here you know doing the great things or your favorite celebrity you know saying this no everybody's looking bad people who have their hair color is now it's now great People who want to, to look good in the morning time before they do their social posts, they can't do that unless they can do it themselves a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody's in the same playing field. So just sharing that stuff with them just to give them a little laugh, just like I gave you guys, gives them the opportunity to say, hey, you know what? You're right. I shouldn't have to feel so bad about where I'm at, everybody's feeling this way. Nobody's on vacation. Nobody's traveling overseas. Nobody is is doing anything more so than the other person. Yes, other people may have more money. Other people might have a bigger house. Some people may live in apartments that can't go in their backyard. Some people may can't walk, you know, around the corner. Some people, there are certain aspects that are different, but we're pretty much in the same mm-hmm. boat. 
regardless. And even the yeah. salons and the cities that aren't affected with it, they're still feeling the brunt of it because people are looking at the news. People are doing their research online. People are following other cities and, and really taking precautions before it hit their city. So it's affecting everybody across the board. And those are the things that we want to share and give to them while we're waiting on this thing to pass. And even if it doesn't pass, knowing that there will be a new normal. So giving them some sense of solace, some sense of comfort and, and finding times to laugh and finding times to enjoy this moment of incubation and quarantine. Mm, mm. So true. So it sounds like a lot of the time that you're spending now is on that content generation and helping new people come onto the platform and, and, and supporting them. Are you doing any product improvements or, or anything <laughs> right now? Absolutely. Oh, we're yes. doing great product. We we had some design set up. We had some automation, things that we were getting ready to get on board. And, and we're excited about this downtime because it's given our engineers the opportunity because we haven't laid anyone off. We haven't furloughed anyone. You know, there are some sacrifices that need to be made as far as, you know, when it comes to certain things that we're, we're paying attention to. But at the end of the day, we're making sure that we are taking advantage of this downtime. It's given our engineers and our designers the opportunity to, to work together, to really get into these meetings and, and thoroughly get things moving forward. And even if we have to make a few different things based on what we feel like is going to come after this whole downstart of this coronavirus, we feel like on the upside is giving us the opportunity to see the changes happening. and We can think about them in a way where it's going to make sense for us. Yeah, to underscore what, what Ty said, you know, we were already thinking along this vein, but again, this just gives our team that dedicated time to completely rebuild the roadmap that we were set to release first half of this year and then into each quarter and completely wow and, you know, surprise and delight people when they are ready to jump back onto the app and start to find spaces to work. So when we think about, you know, okay, if we're in the middle of a pandemic, if this should ever happen again, what would be some things that we would want to secure up or shore up in the product so that people would still be able to conduct business? Well, we know um, communication is huge, right, for stylists and the, the service, and the, well, the clients and the service providers, right? So thinking about different ways that we can encourage more simplistic ways to communicate and to engage with, with audiences that you may not be standing in front of. Education is big, right? Like we've seen a huge spike in YouTube videos. You know, people are looking for the hashtag with me. So, you know, color my gray hair with me, or I'm going to do an at-home manicure with me. So people are looking still still for ways to, you know, increase just their general education. So we were thinking about a few things around that. Retail is big, right? That's probably one of the first things that stylists and even salon and barbershop owners jump to once people were issued the stay-at-home mandates. Like, okay, well, how can I continue to make money and drive mm -hmm. sales? If my average ticket price has gone down because it no longer includes a haircut and a color, where else can I continue to win? And that was in taking retail online. So inside of our Sheer Share listings now, salon owners, barbershop owners can list their products so that they can sell through to the stylist. So just imagine that. So stylists can now take a look at different products. And even if they don't use Sheer Share to book a space to work, they can take advantage of getting some rock bottom prices from a salon and barbershop owner who is literally in their neighborhood. That's cool. So it sounds like your roadmap has changed quite a bit, which is great that you're responding to the current situation. What I heard right before that was that, you know, you did have a laid out roadmap sort of by a quarter for mm -hmm. the year, or at least mm -hmm. a sense of what that was. How far in advance do you typically 
plan out what you're going to do as a company? <laughs> we always have one time frame in mind, mm-hmm. and then our user community tells us differently. So, yeah. <laughs> so the the honest answer to that is it's when they choose to shift and and how fast we can listen. So in general, though, we try to plan out half a year um, in advance. That tends to change probably 90% of the time, I would say that changes quarter over quarter, because mm-hmm. we may see you know this happening in the industry, we may see that happening in the industry. And our community, which we love is very vocal, like you're not going to find a very quiet barber, you're not going to find a very mm-hmm. shy hairstylist, it's very hard to find that those types of personalities in our industry. And so they have no qualms about coming to us and saying, hey, this is the challenge I'm seeing, I need this, or hey, the app would be so much better if it could do this for me. And so um, as, as soon as we can respond, to that feedback and take it through a couple of mental cycles, we're able to plan ahead. Have you done that since the beginning, that planning, or has it changed over time? No, I think we've been pretty consistent there. We relied heavily on definitely Ty's feedback in the beginning for mm. what the product should look like because we have a very unique unicorn in him that as a stylist himself and as an owner, he sits on both sides of our marketplace. And then, you know, having his doctorate degree in professional barbering and cosmetology, being an educator himself, you know, writing a best-selling book on how to maintain success in the cosmetology industry, you know, we, we kind of had a head start, right? So a lot of ways we would ask him his opinions first and then and very quickly, we started to foray that into listening to what the community was saying that we could do to better serve them. Thank you for that. And, and definitely with the individualistic mindset that a lot of the industry professionals have, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would hope that I can speak for all of them. But, you know, right. you definitely want to be able to get uh, comfort and feedback, whether it's good, bad or indifferent. I've always, you know, told my team, welcome it all. And I think having the different regions and different cities, different mindsets, different cultures and all of those things will really help our company understand what people are trying to accomplish, what people are doing and what's coming in the next wave of the industry. So we always like to keep things open. But I think that, you know, having all these years of of knowledge and wisdom, it really helps give us that next uh, level mindset of where things are going and where things can be. All these things before social media, before all the apps, before the internet thing took over, I I was in the industry. So you want to be able to think about it and consistently educating myself, speaking to the youth, being on advisory boards with cosmetology and barber schools, and knowing that these people need certain mentorships, certain aspects of Mm -hmm. learnings, you know, you're able to give it to them because there's nothing really new under the sun. Tech has come in, but you still have to deal with the people to people aspect of it. And it just gives it that next turn of events that are going to come in the future. That's true, babe. I would even say, too, that, you know, honestly, Chad, with with Ty and myself not being technical co-founders, it's actually maybe a disadvantage that turned into an advantage because from day one, we had to ask questions. You know, that was the only way we were going to get feedback, you know, from people to yeah. know, you know, should we turn left or should we go right? And so that's just something that's been at the crux of, of the Shear Share experience. Yeah. If I remember correctly from our last chat, that's really how the product came about is mm-hmm. that you all started by just offering this service, being this middleman with a spreadsheet of people who had seats and people who needed seats in salons and the feedback and the sort of need and drive from the users is what kind of pushed you then into actually creating an app. Yeah. And actually, Lindsay, you give us way too much credit when you say a spreadsheet. 
It was literally <laughs> like <laughs> like a piece of notebook paper. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I, <laughs> and I think I think what people really don't understand is when you're dealing with a, a industry or in many industries when it's people to people, you have to make sure that you're really doing your due diligence by helping the individual. Yeah. You just can't build something and, and be like, oh, they will come. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to make sure that you're there directing them, educating them, making them feel comfortable with the platform. And and people are not just going to know how to do something in tech. This industry is over a century old and it's very archaic and people just follow the next shiny ball. <laughs> Nothing different. They just follow the next shiny ball. We're something different and we're helping B2B professionals, whereas opposed to it's not a booking app. It's not an app that's allowing the service provider to go to the consumer. We're helping businesses. The individual is a business, a licensed professional, and we're also helping salon and barbershop owners. That's a business. So how can we merge the two and also make them feel comfortable in how we're providing this service? You have to be in the trenches. You have to yeah. know what yeah. you're doing. and You have to know certain aspects of both sides of the coin. Being that I'm a licensed professional, being that I'm a salon and barbershop owner, I understand what apprehensions they're both dealing with, but I also know what they're looking for. So if we can kind of make them feel comfortable behind their apprehensions, but also give them some great upwards things of the things that they like and what they want, then we can also merge the two and, and eliminate the, the, the negatives. And you're not going to always eliminate all the negatives, but you can make people feel comfortable in those. Yeah. I mean, I still remember when Ty came home and said... Hey, I got the weirdest phone call. The stylist called and said that she doesn't want to sign a long-term contract. She has her own salon that she just opened up, but she's definitely afraid of losing her clientele that's further up north. And she just wants to rent out one of our empty suites for the weekend. And I still, to this day, I laugh at myself because I laughed at Ty when he when he brought this <laughs> idea to me. I said, why would someone even call? Like, are you sure that wasn't like a scam phone call? Like, that was just so <laughs> the complete opposite of what we expect in this industry and what we've seen for so many years. I never forget the time we was traveling back and forth in the incubators and in 500 startups back and forth to Dallas uh, from Silicon Valley. And every time I was there, someone wanted me to service them. And I'm like, I'm not going to the office. I'm not going to anyone's home. And so it was easy to use my own platform when I was working downtown San Francisco, when I was working in Mountain View, or even when I had to go to San Mateo. You know, it was easy to find a shop to work in on my platform because it's easier to work somewhere where you're classically trained, where you have already the benefits of making sure that their service is available for them and you can give them the results that they need. And to not have a share share and to be able to, to travel to cities like a New York or California, or even just in my city, traveling to the other side of town mm-hmm. when I was working at WeWork and I had to go in there and just be like, okay, well, you know, what salon is near me? Being able to go to a salon or a barbershop that I can serve as a client was so much easier than trying to work a schedule around going to their home or them coming to uh, my home salon. It was just easier to do it through our platform. And it's great when you're working on a product that you can then really actually use yourself mm-hmm. because you yep. see what can be improved. You can say, this sucks oh, or this yes. is great. I'm so excited. Bingo. Whatever. Bingo. <laughs> We've had many conversations like that, Jan, where Ty will yeah. come back and be like, why is this like this? So like, ah, I didn't even think about it that way. He said, that's going to annoy people. We have to make it simpler. And yeah, it, it is great when, when you have that direct feedback. You know, and people always say that the inventor of innovation, right? It's it's like your own problem. And really, Shearshare was literally our own problem that we were trying to solve for ourselves. We had these empty suites, these open barber stations, and we had never experienced that before because being an award-winning salon and barbershop um, in North Dallas, 
people had always been on like a waiting list, wanting to come work full time or either rent out a long term chair from us. And so when that phone call came in, that's why I was like, that's crazy. Like, why would she even ask that question? And thankfully, Ty decided to give it a try. And here we are almost 600 cities later. We went from helping people to trying to help them with their problem to trying to stop helping them. So because we were beginning to get too busy to being like, you know, there's nothing out here for them. Mm-hmm. How are they going to continue to do this? Because we can't continue to do this manually. manually yeah. And we don't know. There's no, not any platforms out here for them to be a part of. So we went from doing it for them, wanting to stop doing it for them, <laughs> to how are they going to continue to get this business, to developing it ourselves. That was a thought process that we both needed to just really think about, talk about, and then sacrifice a lot of things along the way in this journey of uh, continuing to do this. And, you know, one thing I can tell you, it hasn't been something I, not one day have I regretted. No. So what is the profile of your typical salon that's on the platform? Is it an owner who owns an individual shop? Is it small chains, large chains? If you have one profile or do do you think about it in terms of, you know, is, is there a trends in who your customers are? You know, there, there, there isn't. It's funny you say that because this is something that we have to think about. So uh, the typical owner of a, of a salon or barbershop used to be considered an operator owner. I'm what you consider owner operator. Mm-hmm. The new trends now are we have uh, salons and barbershops who are just owners and they're not operators. It could be someone who's the operator who say, you know what, my mom decided to open up a salon so that I could you know, have a salon to work at. Or someone could be coming out of their last career as a retiree from a company and say, hey, you know what? I want to start my own franchise and now I want to be a part of the industry. So now you have the owner, you have the owner operator, and now you also have the owner manager where the owner is opening up a salon and they they hire a manager to run it for them. Mm -hmm. So there are different ones, but I think what makes it unique is that the owners are not always influxed in the knowledge of what the industry is about, but they really want to start a business because they see the upside economically that it can provide for them. But they also are are interested in the industry because they like the real estate part of it. They want to make sure that, you know, they can get uh, stations in there, they can get suites in there. And you have real estate within the business now that you can actually charge while you're providing a great salon or barbershop space for the consumers. So I think that it's an array of them. So you have owners, you have owner operators, you have owner managers, you have people who are now deciding to get into the franchise part of it, whether it be opening up a salon suites or maybe open up a franchise like a great clips or sports clips, different ones that are doing things like that. So it's not just one particular person when it comes to a profile and it's not just one particular age because I think that the youth now are really starting to see how vast and how economically strong this uh, this industry is and how lasting it is. And they're wanting to now bet their last bottom dollar that they're going to be successful in it. Yeah. I, I remember when we first started, Chad, our host persona was more along the lines of mom and pop, right? So like mm-hmm. the barbershop down the street, the salon um, that's been there for 40 years. Um, and then we started to see a shift, not only in the way that hosts were using the share share platform, but in how they take that to market, even promote that out to generate bookings on their own. And so now we have a hodgepodge of both the 
salon franchises that Ty mentioned. So maybe like a Sola Suites or a My Salon Suites uh, franchise that now takes Sheer Share to their franchisees and says, hey, this is a tool that you can use when you first open your doors to make sure that you're at 100% capacity while you are building up and signing people to long-term contracts, if that's what they so choose. I think mom and pops use us to really just keep the the lights on and make sure that their overhead costs are low, making sure they're able to maximize the income that that one chair, that individual station is bringing to them at all times. So in the very beginning, it was more of the neighborhood salons and barbershops. Now we're seeing a vast swath and array of different share share hosts. And even then it varies by region, like where you sit within the U.S., yeah. Do those different profiles have different needs for your platform? They do. They do. They yeah. do. How do you balance those different needs and not be drug along by people who might not actually be your ideal customers? Mm-hmm. Uh, honesty, you know, just, just finding out what those needs are at that mm-hmm. moment. You have some salon owners who are on the verge of closing and they're just really wanting to know how we can help and just giving them the understanding that, you know, it's going to take patience, but you know, the industry speaks the way it speaks and, and people going to behave in the way that is a normalcy. We may have someone that's just opened up and say, you know what? I have 10 stations. Six of them are taken. I got four stations open. I would love to put you guys on my platform. Uh, you also have salon owners who are commission based and they say, you know what? I have three or four empty chairs that are commission based, but I would love to put them on share share and charge by the date. So we're able to help them based on their needs and also give them the understanding while we're talking to them, educating them on how we work. So giving them the comfort and and it's not a, a really long drawn out conversation because they understand the industry. It's the ones that we really have to educate who may not be really a part of the industry. They may be an owner, but not be an operator. So we have to educate them a little bit more, make them feel comfortable uh, to be honest with you. And sometimes those are the easiest ones to really talk to because they really understand the platform as a whole and what we're trying, the common goal, what we're trying to help them achieve. Yeah. And what that looks like from an education point of view, because I mentioned, honestly, we, we ask questions a lot, right? And so um, as we get more and more intelligent data um, coming in, you know, how we're leveraging that to give back again to our community of stylists and owners is by providing that content. So if we know that independent mom and pop usually has these top three challenges, we're going to provide content that speaks to that content that's in a, comes in a digestible format that they can understand that they get from someone who's been in the industry for 30 plus years. If we then go on and talk to a salon suites owner, like a franchisee, um, we know that they deal with sometimes a different series of challenges. Mm -hmm. And so what information can we help put out that will help them continue to keep their doors open? And so our education portal will go live sometime actually this week. So it's funny that we're talking to you guys now. But in that vein, uh, while we know that people are sitting at home kind of remiss from the initial Mm -hmm. shock and now they're trying to figure out, okay, what is life going to look like at least over the next 30 days? We're going to be there to provide not just solace, as Ty mentioned before, but encouragement and some things for them to think about as we all press reset. Wow, that's really interesting. So you had this um, major sort of product launch planned, and then the pivoting was more around like the content itself. Exactly. And we we let the community drive us. So if we're seeing that they are choosing X type of content versus Y, then we know where we need to double down in. If we hear from them that, oh, wow, you know, that content was super beneficial, we're going to provide more of that. So they help us 
figure out ways where we need to do more and areas where we need to do less. And again, it's all about I mean, constantly listening. Like a Monday at Share Share can look very different from a Tuesday afternoon. And it sounds like the essentially like voting with your view that they're mm-hmm. doing uh, with the content could yeah. also impact the features that you decide oh, to build. Definitely, a hundred percent. Yes, definitely, Lindsay. And I love selfishly that I don't. Cause I'm constantly looking at the data. Ty and I are constantly figuring out. Okay, where do we need to turn next? And I love that I don't have to think about. Okay who can I pull into this virtual studio to talk about this next topic? Like I sit tight in front of a camera and I hit go. And like, he's, <laughs> he's talking about it. <laughs> I mean, in 30 years of, of experience is so helpful, especially right now, because there's so many people at different stages in their careers within beauty and barbering. And Ty has an answer for every single one of them. And the thing about it is, is that when you're in this industry a long time, you, you start to see different changes. We never would have thought, I never would have thought I would have to talk about uh, certain things now because I was doing those things. I was making shifts and changes 10, 15, 20 years ago. And you think you got to come back now and help people who haven't gone through anything. These zero to four year you know, industry professionals, they haven't seen anything. So mm-hmm. how can I help them you know, feel better? These five to 10 year veterans who's had you know a successful run, they haven't dealt with anything like this. Uh, those salon owners who haven't dealt with downtimes in their salon or laying off or no furloughing or having to go through these changes. They don't know anything about that. Having to talk to the landlords of the businesses and, and work out things in contracts and then talk to the banks. You know, they haven't gone through these things over my almost 30 years of in the industry. So I'm able to share information, whether it be a recording or whether it be individually, I'm able to talk to these individuals and kind of give them some kind of understanding of what to look for and to weather the storm. It just takes, it's going to take some patience. So come from outside of your head and really think clearly about where this can go and the decisions that you need to make going forward. How public are you typically when it comes to the, you know, beyond this period of time that we're in, you know, you're, you're planning out what you're going to do for the product. You're planning this education portal. Are you typically telling customers in advance what your roadmap looks like and what you have planned? Yes and no. Uh, we, we want them to understand what we're getting ready to do. So most of them ask questions and we, we're we able to say, you know what, it's great that you asked that. We're, we're getting ready to roll that out here soon. And so they're able to be patient and wait for it. And I think that what we're building is trust. And it's good to know that other people are thinking the way we're thinking, even though they're not building a product, they're, they're helping us understand this is what they're waiting for. So yes, you know, when they present that to us, we're able to say, yes, we're getting ready to roll that out here soon, whether it be a long-term stay, whether it be education, whether it be anything that has to do with products or ads or advertising, we're able to provide that information with them. And that excites them because they say, you guys are really about your business. You're really about this industry. And that gives them some clarity about who they're dealing with. Yeah. Our beta group has um, early access because they're the ones who beat the system up for us and find tons of bugs that we hadn't uncovered initially. And then two, it's sometimes the people who have the ideas or who have the problem or the challenge who we continue to nurse along and continue to get feedback and give them different um, things to respond to that really also get you know an early bird's eye view about new, new features and new product functionality. Like, for example, I think about this one gal who contacted us and she was in a 
tizzy. And this is pre-corona, but she had issues with being able to keep people um, in her salon. And and she was not from the industry. I think she had been an attorney before and she had decided, oh, I'm going to go into beauty and open up a salon. And, and as long as I open it, you know, I build it, people will come. And she was seeing how difficult it was uh, not only to manage that herself, but to also find like a really good, dependable salon manager. So long story short, she wanted to sell her entire salon. And we've gotten that more than a couple of times and have helped people facilitate those transactions manually. But like how much easier could we make that process if we provided that on top of the ShareShare platform as well? So again, when I say retail, it's not just about the product side, but it's really about whatever you have to sell that's of value to the greater community at large. We want to be able to make that available to our share share community. Are there certain product metrics that you have tracked over time and that you set goals around? No, we don't track anything. No, <laughs> you had me for a second. I was yeah. like, "Oh, it got, wow. it got pretty quiet." I wasn't yeah. expecting yeah. that. Yeah, uh, Chad, you. I think you had the next question. <laughs> no, um, I say that you know, kind of in jest because, my gosh, if I could go back to our my journals and pull out all of the various KPIs that we have thought were important to the business, and how again, just by listening to the community, we've had to change and pivot on a dime. It'd be laughable. At least um, an entire wall full of different metrics. Um, But honestly, there's one that we always come back to and one that we're constantly looking at, and that is the number of sheer share stays, right? Because if we get an empty seat filled or an empty suite filled, we know we're doing justice to both the independent who needs a professional space to work and wants to keep more of their hard-earned money. And we're also helping lower the overhead costs and helping that salon and barbershop owner make money on unused space they already have. So that's always one that's going to be at the very top of our KPI list. But yeah, we, we measure anything and everything. You'd be surprised. Anything and everything. <laughs> so did you set at the beginning of the year, a 2020 stay goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've torn that in half. <laughs> that that, that <laughs> yeah, is that's no longer the next question. important. <laughs> yeah, our goal now is to make sure that the health and stability of the industry is there, and whatever we can do to help not just the independents but the actual owners, um, you know, bounce back from this as strong as possible. Then we know that naturally, organically, sheer share is going to um, pick up steam yet again. Again, we've, we've seen it happen in 2007, 2008. Um, it just hasn't been in this broad a swath, but we feel like we've already had to strengthen those muscles, especially those shock muscles early on. So to us, this is just another thing, and it gives us time to really help and encourage and motivate the people who are so passionate about this industry as we are. And again, we're all going to bounce back from this so much stronger than when we went into it. I think most of the the effect of this, what's going to make the business look the most reputable coming out of this? Is it going to be the business that's making the most money coming out of it? Or is it going to be the business that's helping the most people coming mm-hmm. out of it? Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be who's helping the most, who's making the biggest effect in their prospective industry. And how are they doing it? I think that that's what's going to be talked about because there are not going to be so many winners. The mindset is just going to be, how can we get back to where things were? Not making people think that there's going to be the same normal, but the new normal. How can we get the numbers to the point where people now can respect the level of care that they're going to get going forward? And those are the numbers that we're really tracking. And while we're tracking those, it's based on relationships how many people can you tell that you're getting this type of care 
and just continually push that forward. We need that to be a wave of sharing and a wave of connecting with people. And it's not just one person at a time, but it's going to be multiple people. Yeah. And without even thinking about it, Ty, you bring me back to, you know, what our company was set on anyway. And everybody knows the golden rule, right? But in our household and how we run our company, even we base it on the silver rule. And that is we have to leave people, places, and things better off than when we found them. And so without even thinking about it, because that's been just a fabric of who the entire team is at Share Share, we're continuing to do just that. And because we know that people vote with their dollars, like once they have the dollars and once we're able to get back to business, they're going to think about those companies that had an impact on them and actually showed a lot of care and concern and support and gave them some tangible resources to be able to overcome the challenges they were facing that day, that week, that month. And so we know that things are going to bounce back and we're putting ourselves in a very good position by just doing what is natural to us, which is being extremely helpful. And we know it'll come back around because Sheer Share will be naturally top of mind. And do you have also goals around sort of engagement and maybe sharing of the content? Yes. And we based that though on like the first week, still when businesses were kind of open, but like the first week of COVID-19 hitting. Um, and so we, we've had to change those numbers week over week because our content is becoming more and more engaging week over week, which is a great mm-hmm. thing for us. It's a good problem to have. But our challenge, I feel, at least my challenge in my mind is what's the next thing that people are going to be thinking about? And again, thankfully, <laughs> my husband sitting on both sides of our marketplace has been there there, done that, has been through recessions, been through depressions, been through the scare of what happens if not another customer comes in or what happens when I get tons of customers and like, how am I going to, you know, make sure they're all serviced and they're all happy? And how can I make sure that client retention rate is so just tons of different topics that we could be speaking to that I lean very heavily on him to say, this is where the ball is going to be kicked in the next three days. We need to go here first. And he's been right every every time. <laughs> well, that's great. With a partner like that, I'm sure you'll be successful. <laughs> Definitely. I, I, I kind of know this guy, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been some decades. So, you know, when I bet on Dr. Caldwell, I know I'm betting to win. <laughs> so Courtney and Ty, thanks for checking in with us. This is a great start to the journey. We're going to talk to you again next month. If people want to follow along with you or get in touch with you between now and then, where's the best places for them to do that? Yeah, yeah. We're just Sheer Share everywhere. So on Instagram, you can follow along at Sheer Share. Um, on Twitter, you can follow along at Sheer Share. Um, Ty actually has his own uh, page on IG, and it's at Dr. Ty Caldwell, D-R-T-Y-E. C-A-L-D-W-E-L-L. You can go to our website at www.shearshare.com. And I'm just going to say, if you guys have any questions, if you happen to be a stylist or salon owner or franchisee listening to this podcast, and you have questions about you know life after COVID-19, feel free to email me personally at Courtney at Shearshare.com. Can't promise to get back to you immediately, but I will be responsive. And for anyone who's interested or has questions specifically for Courtney and Ty, feel free to also reach out to us and we can ask them on on the next episode. Uh, We'd love for this to be interactive and uh, have people feel like they're a part of your journey going through this. Thank you, guys. You can subscribe to the show and find notes for this episode at giantrobots.fm. If you have questions or comments, email us at hosts at giantrobots.fm. And you can find me on Twitter at Lindsay3D. 
and me on Twitter at CPytel. This podcast is brought to you by ThoughtBot and produced and edited by Tom Obarski. Thanks for listening and see you next time. This podcast was brought to you by ThoughtBot. ThoughtBot is your expert design and development partner. Let's make your product and team a success.